when I was younger, I really thought that leadership was about being like the most vocal. Welcome to the Competitive Mindset Podcast. Each interview, we talk to leaders who differentiate themselves and achieve high levels of performance through the lens of motivation, competitiveness, and mindset. These conversations lead to thought-provoking idea sharing and growth accompanied by entertaining storytelling. Welcome along on our journey to lifelong learning, improved performance, and a look inside the competitive mindset. The Greatest Games Podcast interviews coaches of all levels about the greatest games they have ever been a part of. Chris and Brian post two episodes per week that explore these great games and also takes a dive into each coach's journey and some lessons that they have learned along the way. Catch The Greatest Games Podcast on all podcast platforms as well as thegreatestgames.podbean.com. Anna Eaton is a senior hitter for the University of Wisconsin Green Bay Volleyball team. She shares with us how her family life and competition helped mold her and how she is searching for lifelong learning. Tell me about your journey through life, which has led you to UW-Green Bay. Yeah, so I am originally from New Prague, Minnesota. I started playing volleyball in like fourth or fifth grade, but it wasn't really anything serious at that time. It was just kind of for fun because I didn't have anything else to do. And I didn't really start thinking I was good or like really start thinking competitively about it until probably like eighth grade when I was asked to be on the high school team. And then that kind of really started to like get my confidence going, just like made me want to like really think seriously about volleyball and compete at a higher level. So then at that point, I decided to play club because in volleyball, high school is not as good as club. So I decided to go for the best of the best in Minnesota is Northern Lights. So I tried out for that team. I did make it when I was 14 years old, but I made it on the absolute worst team. In the like, People didn't know I existed. Like I basically wasn't even a part of the club until my 15th year. Then I was like on the second team. And like when I told people like, oh, yeah, like I played here last year, they were like, no, you didn't. I was like, yeah, I I did. I was just on the worst team and like you just didn't know me. But so that was kind of cool just going from kind of like the bottom to, I mean, essentially the top, the second team on Northern Lights for any age group is really elite. Can you talk to me a little bit about your mindset when you were on the worst team and what that meant to you mentally? Yeah, so it definitely sucked. And like my mom like reminds me of it all the time, like to really humble me. And she reminded me of it all the time when I was on that team. She was like, you know, they just added this team on. Like you're not like like you're not like you're good, but like you're not that good. Just remember a lot of that that year was just learning and I was decent at volleyball, but I wasn't good. So it was just like more about learning and like watching the people that were on the higher teams. I feel like I was just so inspired by them and just learned by watching other people without even like really realizing it. But yeah, that's kind of what my mindset was at that point. I was very, very, very humble at that time in my life. So you could have went one of two directions, right? You could have been bitter and upset and held a grudge, or Mm -hmm. you could have taken the approach which you took, which was to learn and grow, right? Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think you took that approach over the grudge approach? I mean, I don't think holding grudges is useful in any term of life ever. So, and like, I wanted to get better and that's why I was there to get better. So that's kind of how I took it. 
Yeah. So then basically then I realized like, okay, maybe I'm like, okay, like I'm on the second team now, like 15s year, like we're, we're going. So 15s and 16s year, it's my 16s year. I ended up making the top team, which I don't think still to this day, I don't think that I should have been on that team, but I was those two years. I think I spent most of my time, you know, practicing, doing school and really mostly like sending emails and talking to college coaches. Like I really immersed myself into the recruiting process because before then I didn't really think about college volleyball. And then one of our, he was kind of like our club director. He was like one of my coaches too. Andy like pulled me aside and was talking to me about college. Like, Hey, like you can, you know, go to college and play volleyball and get a scholarship. Like you're good. But like, we just have to talk to you about like what colleges, you know, are like in your realm or like try to figure out like which ones you can are foreseeable. So kind of spent time with him doing that like he helped me a lot with that and just like sending emails and like what to say and how to like work that type of stuff and then I connected with the coaches at Green Bay and I just kind of like fell in love with the area mostly I just it felt like home I grew up on a lake so like we grew up I grew up on a lake but like I was still like really close to the cities so I could do anything that I wanted like I was in the country but like 20 minute drive I was in the cities and we were doing whatever we could find so I just felt like Green Bay was just a lot like that having like water nearby but also being like not too far from the city being close enough where there are things to do that I'm like that's what I was looking for in the schools and that's what Green Bay offered so now I kind of just created a home here and it's honestly difficult for me to think about leaving Green Bay when people are like oh like I get homesick I'm like I get homesick from Green Bay, like when I go back home to Minnesota. So like, I really, I can't connect to the homesickness from home home, but I can connect from it from like Green Bay, which is just crazy to think about. It's great that you've made that your home. Now you, you hit on something there when you're talking about when Andy started talking to you about playing in college. Can you talk to me about how your mindset shifted in how you played from prior to that, it being for joy and then your drive to play in college and what that mindset was? Yeah. Yeah. So like before thinking about cut, like, I mean, we were like one of the top Northern Lights is the top club. Let's be real. But um, so any game that we ever played, there were college coach, there, there was more college coaches there than parents. And like before thinking about college, I never really thought anything of it. I was just out there playing. I didn't, I didn't really care. But then once I started like emailing these college coaches and then they start showing up and then they're like asking where you where you're playing, it's just like another level of stress added on. I still tried to get into that state of mind where it was like, I'm just just be yourself, just play. Like I just tried not to think like too like if I overthought college coaches being there, then I felt like I was like making more mistakes. So just trying to be in that like joyful carefree mindset still while being extremely stressed out (laughs) do you can you recall or tell me a story about a specific time you remember being stressed out about coaches being there and what it did to you yeah so when I get stressed I like really sweat a lot I don't really like I'm not like a big sweater like when I do athletic things but I do remember one time I it was Green Bay was actually there and they were like my top college that I was looking at and I remember just like sweating profusely when I saw them I was like oh my god oh my god and so I just started like I was like okay just relax like take deep breaths like they like you like it's okay like just be yourself 
See, I remember that. I think we were in Omaha or something, I remember. And then they came to literally every single one of our games and our coach started calling them our cheerleaders. And I was like, that's, it's kind of cool. Like that they were literally like Northern Lights 16-1's cheerleader. And it was just so weird. Like, I was just like, okay, so they really like me. So I can just be myself. They're going to be here at every game. So just got to figure out a way to get through that weird anxiety. That's really neat that you're able to turn that into a positive as confidence for yourself. Mm -hmm. Do you know how you were able to do that from a mental standpoint? Did someone teach that to you? Did that somehow come naturally? I don't really remember getting taught it but I do remember talking to my other teammates about it um like we would talk about like oh my god like did you see Hugh McCutchkin at our game today and just like these huge coaches that we idolize and like now thinking about it I'm like that was just like they're not super like they don't have superpowers like just chill out in the moment you're like whoa these people are like they're huge coaches like and like the Nebraska coach and like did you see yada 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 like at our game because like a lot of my teammates, they they were looking at those big colleges. Like some of them went to Minnesota, some of them went to Iowa, Nebraska, like just crazy. So like I was in it, but like at the same time, I was like, yeah, they're not really looking at me. So like I'm I'm okay. Like we're fine. So you mentioned one of your relaxation techniques was take deep breaths. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you learned? Did someone teach you about breathing? Did someone teach you about relaxation methods, or was that something that you found naturally? I think that's something that I kind of found naturally. Guy just was like, okay, take a deep breath, reset, it's fine. I still do that to this day. And I think that I just started doing that. And there are like a lot of podcasts and books and whatever, like about breathing and like mindfulness. So it's kind of cool that I was able to find that naturally, but I think I still am like learning how to like use it. It's really neat when you stumble upon that you're doing something naturally that other people are teaching others. And Mm -hmm. you just mentioned mindfulness, which is something that I had the same experience with what you're just talking is using visualization and breathing and reflection as a tool that I've been doing ever since I can remember. And now it's a buzzword and a big thing, right? About competitiveness. Do you remember the first time that you participated in a competition? Yeah. So this question actually makes me laugh because I grew up in like a really really competitive household I'm the youngest of three brothers when I was younger I never really won I wasn't like and my parents are also very competitive they don't just let their kids win like I know there are a lot of parents out there that just will like play monopoly with their kids and not make them cry but like that was not the case for me we they they, my mom doesn't like losing either so she wasn't going to lose to her children of all people, no. So that's just how I grew up. And I just feel like that was like the first kind of thing with competitiveness is just there's literally no mercy. That's how I grew up. There's no mercy. Like we joke as a family now, but there's so much truth to this joke that we used to legitimately play cards until somebody at the table was crying. That's the extent of like how competitive, like I don't, like we don't care about your feelings. There's no mercy. You can cry. And then guess what? You can leave and we'll still play. Like That's how it was. So I kind of just grew up with the no mercy mentality of competitiveness. And I do remember like one of my first volleyball games, it was like, I don't know, fifth grade when everybody played every position and you served and rotated. And that's basically what the game was. 
I remember that there was this rule that you could only serve three times and then you have to rotate. And I, I had a killer underhand serve. So I would serve three times, get three aces, and then we'd have to rotate. But I remember being so upset because I was just like, if they can't figure it out, that's their problem. It's not mine. And I was so young and I, this, that's what I was thinking. I was like, that's their fault that they can't pass my serve. I shouldn't have to rotate because of this. And I feel like my family just instilled like a no mercy mentality into me, like at a very, very young age. <laughs> Is a killer underhand serve really a thing? Yes. I still feel like I could honestly ace people with my underhand serve. I don't think I have it anymore in me. If I could transform back into like fifth grade Anna and with my underhand serve, I really feel like I could ace people. We're going to talk to Coach <laughs> Sutherland and in some match when you're up 22 to 10, this needs to come out. And try to figure out my underhand serve again. <laughs> I don't think Coach Sutherland's going to like me very much for bringing that up, but that's okay. I'll deal with that later. So let's talk about Green Bay a little bit. Can you tell me about a light bulb moment you had competing at Green Bay that you didn't anticipate prior to arriving there? This is what I just thought of. I remember thinking that it's way faster. Like I remember in club being like, wow, our club is elite. Like we could beat college teams. And I really didn't know what I was thinking. Because once you're in college, it is like a completely different animal. It's way faster. Like you think you're playing a fast game in club and you're not. And I think that was like a light bulb moment for me where I thought I was good because like I was on a really good club team. And then I came to college and you're at the bottom. You are not good. And just forget everything you know and become a sponge because you you don't know anything. (laughs) And so that's kind of what I... I remember learning that pretty quick my freshman year that it was just it was just a different game and I had to figure out how to like learn a whole basically a whole new game. What you just said is so true. The game is entirely different. But then once you figure it out it, it slows down for you. Would you agree then? Yeah. Yeah. Like once you have it figured out it it just becomes the game. It just becomes what you know and what you play. My other light bulb moment at Green Bay I think has to do with leadership. Because I think when I was younger, I really thought that leadership was about being like the most vocal. There's just like so much more to that. And I think I learned a lot about being a good leader from my previous teammates, Jessica Wolf and Maddie Yoss, because they just like know what needed to be done. And they were they were vocal, but they knew like when to speak up and when it was time to let like a different teammate speak up. So I think that was like a light bulb moment for me just to like know that good leaders know when they have valuable information to share. But more importantly, they know like when their teammates have valuable information to share. That is very well said and also very true and not something you learn until you go through it. Can you talk to me about success and what you feel it means to you and how it has changed over the course of your career? This has changed a lot, and I think for the better. Um, I used to attach success to winning and losing because I think a lot of that came from being a part of a really successful club team because we just won all the time, and then we just called ourselves successful because you won, and that was the standard. But now I think I've evolved and realized that success to me is just about like really learning. This has a lot to do with my why as well which is just to just continue learning. I mean, I think it's so fascinating 
that I feel so old, but I'm still learning so much about volleyball. Like this past fall, I mean, it's kind of my senior season, but because of COVID, I'll be a senior again. So, but this past fall, I feel like I've learned so much about the game, which is so weird because first of all, we didn't play any competitions against other opponents and it was just like a weird year. But I think a lot of that has to do with me kind of changing positions a little bit. I've kind of grown into a right side rather than middle. So I've had to learn a lot. Um, but of all things, I feel like serving, I've learned the most about my serve this year, which is so weird because you serve every single year of volleyball. Like you, I've been playing volleyball since fifth grade and have been serving since then. And this year, my basically senior year, I've learned the most about my serve. Can you walk me through what you've changed with your serve? Oh, yeah. So I've kind of, so I've always served from zone one. So the far right side of the court. And I just serve everywhere. But it's like, I've learned more about like the physics of it. And like serving from zone one straight down the line is a decent serve. But then serving like in the seam, and like doing a flop, like a, we call it a flop serve, but it's like an in-between deep and short, and it dies right in, in front of the um, passer, like all the way to the cross. But then there's ways that you can step in from serving straight down the line and then all the way serving from zone five. So I just learned about like the physics of it and like just like different angles to like have the most effective serve for the zone that you're going for. That is awesome. I love to hear the the growth and the learning there. And it's fun because you will still be learning things for years and years if you choose to mm-hmm. keep volleyball as a part of your life going forward. Can you tell me if you're driven by the fear of losing or the joy of winning? This question actually makes me think of that interview with Kobe Bryant. You've probably seen it. And he talks about how it's neither for him because he's just there to play his best ball and, and to learn throughout the process, whether you win or lose. I don't think I'm like that perfect. (laughs) Although like if I had to choose one, I would say that I'm more driven by the joy of winning just because losses suck and they're always going to suck, but they're inevitable and they're like room, just room for growth and learning opportunities. So I don't think that I'm really motivated by the fear of that because I know that it's inevitable. And like, even if it does happen, it's just an opportunity to learn and grow. It's a good growth mindset you have going <laughs> on there. So when you have a day where you don't feel like working out, what is some of the self-talk or some of the motivation you give yourself to continue through? So I actually kind of stole this from our strength coach at Green Bay. When we're in the weight room and really fatigued and on our last rounds of whatever it is that we're doing, he always says, okay, everybody, think about what you're about to do and then do it. So really like, it's kind of like about visualizing, like manifesting, like what you're about to do and then do it. So I vividly remember this, like when COVID first hit, we were doing backpack workouts, body weight workouts, like the worst possible workouts you can think of that are just, you don't want to do them. You just don't. On top of that, you're not with your team. You're doing them by yourself. So you're just like, you don't want to do it ever. Like every single day is the day that you feel like you don't want to do it. And so I remember thinking like, okay, think about what I have to do today. Let's do it. Let's do it to the best of our ability. And like, this is just an opportunity to get better. And even though it's not what I want to be doing, this is what 
I should be doing because if I don't do it, then on top of that, I'm also just cheating my teammates. And that's what I thought about too. What are my teammates doing and what do I need to be doing to continue to better myself because I know they're bettering themselves. That's very well said. And it's helpful when you have a team where you know that that's the case and you have other like-minded people who are striving for things. So I'm going to get you out of here with a fun question that I like to ask. And I'm interested to see where it goes. And it may prompt a follow-up. Who knows? But if you could have one superhero power, what would it be? And what would you do with it? I think teleportation. I hate driving long distances. I mean, I love being in the car and like singing and like having fun there. More than an hour, please, no. And like, I love traveling, but I hate, I hate traveling. I hate flying. I hate driving, but I want to go places. So if I had a superpower, it would just be if I could think up a place to go and then I just jump into a portal and, and I'm there. Okay. If you could do that right now, where would you go and what would you do? I really want to go to Greece. And now my teammates, Ido and Zoe, are going to be like, you have to come now. But I am going to go to Greece because they came home with me for Christmas. And then they were like, you can come to our home in Greece. And I was like, yes. And now I just get really excited when I think about going to Greece. So I would say Greece. All right. One last question I have to ask now. What was one thing that you had to explain to them about a customer tradition that they were like, what is this? We do white elephant. So like we don't, my family isn't really like big on gifts. Like I think I just get socks every year. I love that because I need them every year. But then we just do like white elephant. So everybody gets like one gift, like a good gift. And then we play like a dice game or whatever. And you pick the gift and then you can steal if you want. But yeah, I don't think they'd ever played that game before, like as a family. Um, And it gets pretty intense because there are some good gifts out there and there are some funny ones too. Um, Like, I think there was a picture of my mom, like from high school, that was like super embarrassing and everybody wanted that. And they were like, why would you want that? (laughs) Like, because I don't care about anything else besides that. Next time on Competitive Mindset. It's just a feeling that you don't really get to experience by doing something else. Competitive Mindset Music was produced by DJ Jojo Moore, and all images were created by Elena Keel. Be sure to subscribe, rate, leave a review, and follow us at Competitive Pod.